Welcome to the Greenblut FM podcast, episode number 16. Today we have an English interview with a German guest. Ben, or Benjamin Itter, is one of the managing directors and founders of Berlin-based company Lebenskleidung. This podcast episode is mainly for listeners working in the fashion industry. If you struggle with minimum fabric orders or find it difficult to research certified ethical sustainable fabrics, then you should listen to this talk with Ben. Please notice that we recorded this talk already last year, shortly before Christmas in 2016, and now it's the end of March. So we had a very busy first quarter. That's why we postponed the podcast. But I guarantee that the value is as high as three months ago. Lebenskleidung is a unique company that solves a big problem for fashion startups and young, young eco-designers. They are running an online fabric store where you can get amazing organic certified fabrics directly online by the meter or by the yard, no matter where you are. They ship to you worldwide. So uh, I'm looking forward for my interview with Ben. And without further ado, here's the interview. Hello, Ben. Welcome to Berlin. Yeah, hello. Hello, Christoph. Hello, Greenblut. Hello, Ben. Oh. Fun, funny, two Germans speaking in English. Uh, but <laughs> most of our listeners are uh, in English-speaking places and so we decided to have this podcast in English and uh, so you will you will hear some Germish English. Are you in Berlin at the moment or did you manage to travel to a warmer place? No, no, I'm in Berlin at the moment but the sun is shining, it's a beautiful winter day with a blue sky and Berlin was just waking up actually and yeah, not a warmer place. Last time I went some weeks back to India It uh, was nice with my work with the Green Fashion Consortium, but now I'm back in Berlin and the season is going on, so a lot of work to do at the moment before Christmas. Okay, so we're shortly before Christmas and Ben, before we come to your travels to India, perhaps you start uh, introducing yourself. You are the CEO together with two partners of Lebenskleidung GmbH. For our listeners, could you please describe what, what Lebenskleidung is doing? Sure. So as per now, it's Lebensklang GbR. We are just um, uh, associated at the moment um, That just for that. Lebenskleidung actually is a certified textile agency, like a sustainable textile agency with a main focus on fabrics, that is organic fabrics, sustainable fabrics. Um, what we do is um, we stock fabrics um, for designers, we stock organic certified fabrics for designers. You can order from one meter onwards with us. We bring out two to three collections per year, and we have also so-called kind of never out of stock products. Our mission is actually to bring stylish certified fabrics to the market and to designers, so to enable them at all to start something. So just an example I give you, Christoph. You just imagine you want to start a fashion label, and you're searching for organic fabrics, you search for certified material. If you go to the textile mill directly, may it be in Portugal, Turkey, wherever, India, 
the minimum order quantity always applies. That means the mill tells you, which is obviously necessary also because of technologies, to produce 200, 300 meter and even more per color. So that means if you're a small designer, you have to produce a lot of fabric and you have to stock a lot of fabric, not knowing at all if your fabric or your product in the end will also uh, work at the market. So if you come to us, you can start with one meter in multiple colors, multiple styles, tell it organic stretch jersey, single jersey, sweater knit, wovens, uh, whatever. We have many fabrics. You can check them out on our page. And you can just buy small quantities, start your sample collection, go to your fair, may it be direct fair or may it be a consumer fair or may it be um, um, a trade fair, and then you see how it is working. And if it is working and if your products click, then you can buy on demand from us, from stock, the exact quantity of fabrics you need, and we can grow together. Obviously, the prices get better also. We have staggered prices because if we cut one meter, we do this with a partner. It's much more expensive for us and um, then, then just if you buy one roll of 100 meters. But I think we have very fair prices and we have many, many designers working with us and everybody's happy in this sense. So it's a, it's a win-win model. And you get access to cool, good, certified material in the highest quality with us. That's it, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and and since when did you start this uh, this, this this service or, or this this product? Could you tell us a bit about the founding story of your company? Because I remember that it was always this was always like the bottleneck for designers yeah. to get uh, uh, the, like the minimum quantities. It was always difficult. And I remember long yeah. ago when designers bought. Uh, uh, overstock products just to, to, to solve that, that issue. And uh, how, yeah. how come you started this business and, and uh, this company? Okay, so we have to go back to the year 2006, seven actually. Um, it's, 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 like the, it's like getting to plan B. Yeah? It's, a typical, it's a typical business which started with something else and came to this. So my friend and me, my co-founder Enrico and another founder who left the company now, um, we studied in India, actually. So I've been the first one uh, being there. One year I studied in India. I studied German literature. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In political India. science. Yes, in India as an exchange uh, student in the southern state of Kerala, actually. And... I had another company also was facilitating internships there. But the thing is, each day you open the newspaper in India, especially in the South, and you fall across these stories of farmers poisoning themselves with pesticides. And you see and get in touch with this whole dimension of this global textile industry, which I never had in my mind before. And then by chance, I read an article in the Times of India about a... Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I, I would like to get into these farmers who, who kill themselves because I heard that in an other interview and I yeah. read about it. Uh, and uh, here in, in the West, you hear about it, but I think no one is really understanding how massive this problem is. And uh, yeah. could, could you tell us what happens there? Sure. I try to explain you what happens there. So the thing is, most of the farmers in India, most of the cotton, let's stick to cotton farmers, of course, speaking textiles. So you are a cotton farmer in India, right? 
What you have is maybe 1.5 acre. Most of them are small scale farmers. They are not big farmers. In the US, on the contrary, you have these big, big, massive fields. They fly over it with, with the planes of pesticides and so on. It's all controlled, monoculture and so on. In India, it's a totally different scenario. You have millions of small scale farmers who maybe have 1.5 acre. Very small, very small place. So what they do or what they did in the past is they were not growing only cotton. They were also growing pulses, different things, different nutrition, uh, different food stuff, food grains and so on, on the same area, right? So you had some cash crop, which is mm -hmm. the traditional thing, which you can sell on the market. But if you do the organic farming, you also had some food things, either to sustain your, uh, your own family or also to sell something of this on the market. Mm -hmm. Now the scenario changes. Uh, until 1990, India was, it's, it is still by constitution a socialist country, but with the fall of Soviet Union and with the globalization, after 1919, even they opened up their markets, especially also for the agriculture. So what happens is all these companies are pouring in who would like to um, yeah, make benefit uh, out of this. Um, one of the most known is obviously Monsanto. And you know all these uh, things about seeds and so on. So they have the patents. They sell you a seed. You cannot regrow uh, the, the seed from the plant, which is on the field. So what is happening here is that some agents in the name of the big companies come to the Indian farmer and tell him, look, my friend, here you have this seed. With this seed, you will have much more uh, productivity. You will have much more yield, actually, from your, from your field. And then you will earn much more money. Okay? So he gets the promise. And the agent sells him the seed as well as the chemical agent, this pesticide and herbicide to spray. Because if you use this seed, you have to spray a certain uh, pesticide, which kills anything else. That means you're fully dependent on this particular seed and this particular product. Mm -hmm. Now, what is there is nature is not, is not uh, uh, isolated, okay? So even if you spray stuff at the first year, second year, this may work out and your yield is good and this uh, pesticide may work, but nature is adapting. Nature is dynamic. Like everything is dynamic. You know, like antibiotics and stuff, you hear the stories that uh, there's a resistance, right? So then this pests, like, uh, for example, the organic uh, the, 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 and, and the cotton ballworm or other pests, they adapt and they destroy the yield. Mm -hmm. So this poor farmer with his 1.5 acre of the field, he may lose or lose everything he has. Plus, he had taken a loan before to pay for this seed, to pay for these pesticides, mm -hmm. in the hope that in the future his yield will be enough and bigger to pay back the loan and to feed his family. But then after one year of hard work or like half a year in the season and the harvest is coming, if the harvest is not as good, he has a lot of debt. He has maybe no good yield. He has maybe no cotton at all because the yield may have gone. So he is in so much trouble and he has so much debt in the end that he has no way out and ironically often drinks the same pesticide which he bought from the agent to spray on the field. So he's just to kill himself. To kill himself, exactly. Mm. And this happens in India, not only for cotton, but also other things, obviously, with other reasons. To, approximately, there are different figures, 20,000 20, times per year. 20,000, 20,000. 20,000 per year, each year, and since like 10, 15 yes. years. Yeah. Just like that. And in pesticide poisoning, on the other hand, even if he's not killing himself, because these people, they are uneducated, they work on the fields, maybe they are not literate, 
The agent is just interested in selling this stuff. And German companies also take part in this. They sell stuff and chemicals which are long, long forbidden in our countries. In European Union, we know how harmful they are. There you find them on the market, maybe mm-hmm. through middlemen, but they are there. And the companies know it also. And but they don't they don't go against it, yeah. So these these people they work without security. The the poison gets onto their skin directly. They spray even on the cotton plant when it's open. You know this cotton plant, how it looks, right? Mm-hmm. It's closed and then it opens and then this ball is there, this nice and beautiful fluffy ball of of cotton. If it's organic, it's beautiful. If it's conventional and sprayed on, it's not beautiful anymore. Normally you don't spray when the cotton opens up, but these people because they think. Uh, if you use a lot, it helps a lot. They even spray when it o- when it's opened up. So you imagine it's like a, like a, like a cotton ball which you use in your bathroom, mm-hmm. which is soaked with pesticides, and then it goes to a storage room. And there again, another another part of the supply chain. The Indian women are sitting there, and they are working with this cotton ball, mm-hmm. which is soaked with pesticides. Again, it comes into the skin. Then it is woven, and so on and so on. And it comes even in the final product. So we find it in our shelves. In the end of the supply chain. So in general, it's it's a very bad thing, and this is this is also why we do organic. This is why we we from the beginning wanted to change something um, because this is just horrible to externalize these factors and 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 you go over lives uh, just for our fashion. This is this is bloody hell. Why 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 do we do that? That's that's not it's horrible. Simple like that. Ben, so you, you told me you started like around uh, 2006 to, to start your company. Today we have 2016. In the last 10 years, there was quite a development in, with organic cotton and with recycled fabrics. Do you see things changing in India when you travel to India today? Is it different or is it just like yeah. a minor changes? No, absolutely. I mean, we ch- we started 2006. The idea was born. The company itself started 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back, just very briefly, I tell you how we started. We started. Um, there was a. We started with Ayurvastra. That's why our name Lebenskleidung derives from. It's like Ayurveda means the science of life. Ayurvastra, clothes for life. We worked with the ashram with herbally dyed, herbally dyed uh, bed sheets. Actually, we started to dye uh, sheets. With uh, with herbs and plants, which are not only not uh, 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 positive for your skin, but they are positive. I mean, they are not ha- not only not harmful; they are positive. Mm-hmm. They had an effect, like curcuma, you know, from the curry, for example. Yeah, yeah. This this is a, has an antiseptic uh, uh, properties. So we yeah. thought, oh wow, we found this uh, kind of ashram. Uh, it's so cool. It, it, if you have psoriasis or skin disease or something, we wanted to use this. And then we found the fair trade fabric. Uh, we drove around. I drove around in, in in India finding the right fabric mill with very funny with buses and scooters and stuff, and brought the sheets there, dyed them. Mm-hmm. This is how we started. And then I come to this later. Then people ask more, do you also sell the fabric, not only the sheets? And this is how we developed because oh, then okay. we said, ah, there's a problem. Maybe we can use our supply chain knowledge to bring them that. But this taken aside, in India today, there's a lot of change you can see. And this is internally uh, caused, but also externally caused because more and more people from the West, more and more buyers ask questions, even the big ones, you know. Mm-hmm. What you see is, on the other hand, obviously, it's it's very negative. What you see is also that um, this GMO cotton, genetically uh, modified cotton and organisms from Monsanto and others, they were over overswamping India. Like they were 
everywhere people tr uh, started to use this with all these negative effects also. On the other side, you also have this big organic thing. So speaking from the cotton field, now India, what I heard, and I'm there twice a year, and I'm very well connected also with textile ministry and people um, who work in, in this field, that now um, they are thinking about an indigenous um, uh, GMO, like to produce their own, which you can recreate, which would be an indigenous sort, not to be dependent on these companies from outside, which is a very nice uh, 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 process. Mm -hmm. um, and the main thing which has changed, what I have seen is in the, in the production, yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stitching. Um, and this you see, I mean, obviously you still have the slums and you still have uh, this tier, tier C, tier D production places, which nobody can control where people outsource and so on. But if you go to the, also to the, to the knitting units, to the dyeing units, uh, you see now plenty of wastewater management, plenty of uh, uh, wastewater treatment, plenty of renewable energies, even if India is building a lot of nuclear plants now, but uh, they are also working locally on, on solar and wind and so on. And you see uh, security at the workplace, which is amazing. Um, I, I, I always, when I go to South, especially to Tirupur, which was a waste hole, I always see some development. It's still bad there, but it's a little bit like in the fifties in Germany. Sometimes, you know, yeah. you see people going to the factory with their helmets, even in under, other industries, they have their punch cards and things come more into progress and process. And they have normal working hours. They have uh, the, the 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 lunch breaks and so on and so on. Okay, so so there's a clear development. Uh, now, now let's let's go back to to uh, our listeners, which are uh, startups and and designers and uh, like uh, and, and most of them, when they start a company, in my experience, they want to do something with a with with an ethical, a, a sustainable product or, or fabric yeah. and uh, the one question is like like if you start to research there's a lot of information out there so one part is like some people say oh don't don't use cotton because it takes so much water and then the other one says okay but if you use like like uh, uh, polyester it might be uh, go to the oceans and but you can recycle it so, so so what what's your standpoint on that what what you would suggest what what is a mm. what about water and cotton Let, let's put this one first yeah water and cotton is always a big issue you see the ara lake for example is a main uh, main thing where 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 you see when you have a monoculture which is big in the former soviet union mm -hmm. um how much this can affect the environment for cotton, for me, it always depends where the cotton is grown and if you talk about water. It's not about generalization. For me, cotton, organic cotton is, in its natural form, one of the most beautiful products uh, which I can imagine as a fiber. I love, I love organic cotton because it's, 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 it's just – it has so many good properties from the breezing, from the fall, how you can use it. It's – it's there since since ancient times, you know. People use this in the Indus Valley, in the, in Egypt. It's it's just very beautiful if you grow it correctly. For India, for example, if we see uh, the organic cotton from India, it's in India you have the monsoon. You know, mm -hmm. the monsoon is a is a weather condition which comes there twice a year. It goes from uh, north to south, then it comes back from south to north until it bounces. Uh, I mean, it bounces and it comes from south to north first, then it bounces to the Himalayas because they are just 
<laughs> very big and nothing comes through, then the, the clouds bounce back and it comes again. Okay. So this is a natural resource of water. This is always there and it's called rain-fed uh, things. Okay. You have also this drip irrigation and these water things. Uh, in Turkey, you have in the Aegean region, for example, if you grow cotton there, uh, you have very rich reservoirs by nature. You don't need to pump the groundwater too much, you know, so you yeah. don't go. So, so it clearly depends on where the cotton is from, if it's rain-fed or if, there's, if, if it comes from an area where there's enough water, it's not a problem, but it could yes. be a problem if you have it in a very dry, if, if you plant it in a dry condition and use a lot of, uh, uh, pump a lot of groundwater, things like that. Exactly. And how you treat the water. I mean, what happens to the water? If you spray so many pesticides and, and so much on, then you have a lot of black water afterwards and black, brackish water. Then obviously it's not in the cycle. But if it stays in the cycle and, and you don't spoil the water, then you can also use water, right? So it's the question how you, how, how, what, what happens to the water also, which you put on the, on a field. No, mm -hmm. it's not the sheer amount and quantity. Uh, there are other factors which have to be considered. Okay. Yeah. For recycled uh, or for polyester, obviously it's like uh, it's 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 made out of uh, oil. I mean, it's it's made out of a resource which which is not endless, uh, which is endless, which is not uh, uh, there forever. Um, I like the recycled idea. I like the idea of recycling fibers actually um, to stay in the loop, like cradle to cradle concepts and so on. Um, But also this, we do it partly with very small amount, maybe 1%. We add some recycled polyester. Recycled cotton is also very interesting because there's so much waste cotton out there. Mm -hmm. um, bamboo and these viscose fibers we are not working with because I'm not convinced about, the, uh, about how it's done and where it is done. And if you try to find the answers, nobody really can tell you. There's one monopoly for bamboo fiber, for example, from China. But you don't get the information how it is treated, what is the chemicals, and so on. Yeah, yeah. So it always sounds nice, but you don't get the information necessary. And yeah, but there are many, many nice fibers, and development is very but, on a fast pace. What about this? What about this fiber from Austria, uh, uh, Modal, or, or is it Modal? Yeah, it's Tencel actually. Tencel, this is exactly. Yeah, like like that seems to be like hmm? yeah, quite like. Like, like, what is the name of the company? Uh, this is Lensing. The company Lensing, is called Lensing. Lensing yeah. Huge company. And, uh, Very sure, yeah. Uh, uh, the data, is it clear there? What, what, is, your, what is your thinking about, about Tencel, for example? I think like it's the, the, it, it depends. And I, I, I don't know too much about it that I can have the, 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 the say about it. What I know is that the idea of using... Uh, from the, the, the waste from the tree production. See, Austria is, has a big uh, production of, of, of wood, you know, yeah. because they have a lot of nature and it's also in a sustainable way. If they produce the wood, the outer skin of the wood, uh, there's a lot of that. So this can be used uh, as an as a, as a agent for viscose again and you make a fiber out of it. And if all this stays locally, it's in a beautiful story. It's amazing, you know. Yeah. What I don't know and what, 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 what I always hear is also that there are, I mean, it's a big company, and if what if what if the market demands more than you can produce in Austria? You have to go to other countries, right? And I don't know how they can match the demand at the moment because they are so big. And what happens and where the viscose is coming from and how you grow it and so on and so on. So again, 
uh, I'm happy if they invite me <laughs> and if we can speak about that. But at the moment, it's I focus yeah. on projects where I know where stuff is coming from. So idea good. I don't know how it's working now. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's also very complicated, and it's easy to to get into a trap because someone tells you only fifty percent of the truth, or only the the parts of the totally of the truth that they understand and know, and the other fifty percent are gone. I, I see that a lot with with ethical brands who just like yeah just get into something and say, "Wow, that sounds that sounds nice," and then they they start to build their brand on a. On on on, a, on on something that is really mm, not that clear or, or absolutely, I, I found that a bit difficult sometimes. Green is, I mean, so, so many say green, right? Yeah. Even Ökotex, for example, is standard Ökotex. It only says that stuff which is coming here is no more poisonous. But how it is done before, if the poison is only washed out, it doesn't tell you, you know. Yeah. So you have to be very careful and have to look uh, what is the right standard and. How is stuff made? Yeah. Okay, but now now we we, we come to our customers, the designers, and uh, normally, in my experience, designers start with a creative idea about a product, about a, 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 a something that is unique or special, and then they try to find the right fibers for that. Normally, they don't start with yeah. the with the eco idea, and uh, They have something in mind they they want to produce that is unique and special, and then they look for the fabric. Uh, uh, how how you yeah. handle that? So if you work with with, with your with your customers, mm. uh, how how is the typical uh, uh, yes workflow? The designers call you and ask for certain fabrics, or you have an online shop. I know. So so, so could you yeah. describe the typical way they they find the right product? Yeah, there are two ways, actually. The absolute typical way is uh, people come online, like they go to www.williamsclaring.com. They see, and all our portfolio, everything we have is also displayed online. So first you have the descriptions and you have the, the type of fabric. Some know exactly what they want, some don't know. Uh, what we make possible is you can order a sample of each fabric on, in the shop. In each article, there's a small button order sample because you have to see first, obviously, how does it feel? What is the color? Because every screen is different. And as we have clients all over the place, um, uh, it is necessary that we send them the sample first. Um, we also have sample cards for the whole collection. And after you make your choice for the sample, you can order one meter and make a test. So this is this is the one who comes, okay, he finds something. Either he knows exactly or she knows exactly what she wants, or she doesn't know what she wants. I say she because most of our clients are women, <laughs> luckily, yeah, yeah. which is which is good. So and then um, um, she checks. Okay. They also call and ask, So, but mainly what, what is coming in the next collections. All the meters at the fairs, we are at the Munich Fabric Start uh, each year, twice. Um, we are doing pop-up showrooms also in different European cities. So we show the, the people and the designers in collaboration with uh, some green uh, showrooms and stuff. We show them what we have, what we are planning on the hangers. And yeah, so then based on that, They make the decision. Okay, for, How? for listeners, very short, uh, the uh, your online shop and all the information you find in the show notes of this talk. So just go on the website, it's greenblue.com and go to podcast and then you find this uh, this this show and you find all the information about Lebenskleidung and about everything we talk today. And uh, so you will uh, you will get all the information in the show notes, just, just as a short... Uh, Info for you. Okay. Uh, 
Sorry for that interruption. No problem. Uh, so, 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 so they can order uh, uh, sample fabrics. I got that, and 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 sample cards. Yes. Mm, uh, which kind of ser uh, fabrics do you sell? I remember that it was uh, quite easy to get, like like fabrics for t-shirts or for sweatshirts. Yes. And, and jackets and things like that were more difficult. Has that changed or, or what is your, what are yes. the, the different weights or, or what do you offer? Yeah. Which kind of fabrics? I mean, it's a huge variety now, actually. Um, for the winter season, for example, now what we have, I just briefly tell you, like, for example, we have multiple colors of organic sweater knits for hoodies, uh, joggers. Uh, whatever dresses and so on it is uh, 260 gsm usually we have brushed uh, sweater knit it always comes with matching rib cuffs um, so you can have the combination uh, for upper wear we have uh, so many jerseys in stretch jersey with elastan without elastan um, we have organic fleece fabric which is quite unique not many have that 100 organic cotton fleece Uh, without polyester um, for applications, for upper wear also, for baby wear, baby blankets, whatever. Um, what we have is plush, organic plush, which is very, very interesting. Um, what we have is also organic denim uh, for jeans fabrics. Uh, we have organic twill fabrics. Um, we have we have uh, organic wool, merino wool now. Oh, you uh, with wool, I, I, not just cotton, but... Okay. Yeah, also wool with partners. We have also organic linen. We have organic silks, um, but we focus on cotton. The main, the main thing is we have knits, but now for the coming uh, spring-summer 2017 collection, we will have many beautiful wovens also. It will, it's fantastic. We just finished the, uh, finished the planning, and uh, it'll, it'll, it'll come out now. We just work on the lookbook. We have beautiful new qualities. It's, it's, it'll be next really the next big step because what we also do is because we get the information from our designers because we work with so many, and they tell us also what, we need, what they need. So we kind of uh, put... Of obviously their ideas into 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 the account because they know best what is what is going and what they need you know okay so, so how so, many uh, these how many uh, clients you have how many designers you work with just just like a ballpark number just a ballpark number i mean it's designers it's small people it's also people who like to stitch but just like it's more than five thousand people we work with um across okay. europe and we started also to say that we started business to business um, B2B and from this year onwards April we are also open for yeah the common sewing enthusiast who likes to work with our fabrics it was more like a technical question if we do that also mm -hmm. um, but now everybody can also buy the same fabric that he sees um, from their favorite ethical brands and do his own little piece oh, okay. which is quite nice actually. And, and what, yeah. a, what about location uh, can I order your products even when I'm located say in Australia or in New Zealand is, is that yeah yeah this is this is very interesting we, we, we I mean if you if you Hello. Awesome. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, this is very interesting. If you, especially we use since, uh, if you see our Instagram account, for example, um, we connect and we we talk to people all over the world, which is which is fantastic. I love that so much. Like from from Australia, from US, from Japan, and so on. So 
it it started um, our web shop is also there in five languages actually so we have clients from australia we now i got a client from qatar for example people work there in organic fashion mm-hmm. they start um, we have clients in canada we, now we have someone in panama we ship worldwide actually the core is obviously is germany the core is berlin it's 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 like concentric berlin is our mothership and the most green fashion things which happen in germany happen in berlin i would say then from Berlin, it spreads to Germany. They are beautiful new things. For example, you know, getchanged.org. Maybe you can put the link also. Uh, Get Changed mm-hmm. has this beautiful fair fashion finder. There you find the shops in Germany in this part and all the brands which are here. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. We'll work. put it in the show notes, yeah. That would be nice. Then there's a, a Austria is big also. The Austrian people are like, they are very dedicated towards sustainability in, in terms of food. I think it started, but also in terms of clothing and style. They are very, very dedicated. It's, it's lovely to see. And then, yeah, England, New, uh, Scandinavia, Italy is starting now. Spain, you, slow fashion Spain is a concept. Uh, there's a conference going on. Uh, Ethical Fashion Forum London is doing a lot since many years. You see the the wave of small brands and people and concepts against this fast fashion concept, against the corporation to produce locally and in a good way is, 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 is all over the place. And it's growing and growing and growing each year, which is lovely and wonderful to see so many creative people and then the clients taking it also, like the common man saying, yeah, I want organic, I want it local, I want it long lasting also. Yeah, This is also one thing. Sustainable fashion is, is meant to be long lasting fashion. So you have your piece for 10 years more, not only for short time. This is also very important. Buy less, but buy well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, but one thing uh, I'd like to ask you, because uh, you work with a lot of young ethical fashion brands and aspiring designers, and we both know that fashion is extremely competitive still because yeah. it's so attractive for so many people. And uh, based on your experience, what would you suggest to a young aspiring founder who wants to get into this market and do his own brand or start yeah. his own brand? It's not easy, that's sure. So no, it's we, not we all easy. know that sure. it's, it's, it's a tough business and there's a lot of competition. And, and the, yeah. I, I find that the more, the more new brands you have, like, like certain areas are quite, quite busy and, uh, What is your yeah. suggestion? Let's start with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's individual, obviously, what everybody does. But I have seen a lot of brands coming. I have seen a lot of brands going. I guess you might have seen more coming and going than me. But uh, from my thing is, the first thing I would say is, be unique. Be absolutely unique. Yeah. Focus on your style. Don't come, please, with the, with the next type of... It's the new Berlin T-shirt, the new white shirt, the new T-shirt in this and that, you know. Mm. We have so many printed shirts. We don't need more printed shirts. I mean, you can make printed shirts. You can sell them at Mauer Park or at any market or something like that. But it's don't believe that you that you will be a successful fashion brand with only T-shirts, you know. Mm. It's gone. It's finished. So be unique. Find your own style. Don't copy. Obviously, everybody copies and it's a quote of a quote of a quote if you do fashion. But be unique. Find your own thing. Which is, which is only you. Focus on your strength. Focus on yourself. This would be the first thing. The second thing is be realistic with your numbers from the beginning also. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't lie to yourself. Take the price also that you need if you calculate a piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't dump and dump yourself. If you produce, for example, locally in Berlin with a stitcher, you stitch yourself even. 
mm. and you have the cost of material and you have the cost of your room and you have the cost of your marketing and, 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 and really be realistic from the beginning and see how much your piece has to cost that you can live from it because you don't make it just for fun. You want to live for it. Third point to live from it. You have to have patience and you have to have some reserve. We started also with other jobs and also any, there are so many, you cannot be believe that from day one, you will make profit. No. So you have to have patience and long on a long run patience, two, three years, you need minimum until something you do is successful. So even if you do another job or if you do it with friends or founders, try at least like to be realistic in this See how much time you can really dedicate to it and then uh, stay focused, stay focused. Work hard, work hard. Anyhow, work hard all the time. You have to work hard. Work hard, but not stupid. Yeah, like, no, like, not do stupid. Do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do the right thing, exactly, yeah. and be realistic. But, Focus but, on the right thing. But yeah. the problem I see is a bit that the right thing is changing with the size of the company. So, for example, if, if you're, you're a startup and if you're in the very early stages, the yeah. demands on on what you have to do is totally different than let's Absolutely. say three years later when you already have let's say 30 40 clients then you start to to get this entrepreneurial uh, knowledge and you need to understand to work on your brand and on your company not in your brand or company because that, that gets an issue you can't do everything by yourself when yeah. you have a certain size and This is yeah, you know best. I mean, then yeah. it got, it, listeners go to Christoph. He can tell you he has been through oh. all of this all the time. No, for but for his part, what he's like. But there are also others. Also, one thing: network. Exactly what you do. Speak to others who have been through this. Because, as you said, exactly when we started, first it's all chaotic. It's all chaotic at the beginning. You don't know where to start, what to do. Others know what to do. Use the right tools also. Organize yourself from the beginning. Make it make it in a way that you can make it scalable, kind of that you can grow really from the beginning. You know, and go to workshops or or speak to others. Like it's very very important. Don't just be yourself and think this. There are so many people who know who have knowledge from outside. Uh, who can help you in this? Obviously, there are many not correct people for your business, but they also know many, many who who exactly fit what you do. And yeah, very important yeah. for us. It was one interesting point is I had another guest here, Dietrich, in in the in the podcast, and he mentioned that he would start a fashion brand after having worked in the industry for let's say ten years to have a certain knowledge. Yeah, and not start too early and w without. Uh, Yeah, yeah, without knowledge, because it's just like, uh, like, like first you need to to understand some, some basic things. What do you think about this uh, tip? There, there are two ways also. I mean, see, if you have money and an idea and you know what you want to do, you can also start a fashion brand from the scratch and make it big. Mm. You know, this is one model also, no doubt about that. But what I see in this field is also there are many people who are interested in textiles, designers, and so on. They start more like more guerrilla like, you know, obviously, mm. which is not bad. Why not? You know, why? Why don't we try ourselves being creative? Yeah. Who says why should we have a certain experience? How do you learn something new if, if you don't start learning something new? You know what I mean? So it is something new. So jump into it, but be realistic. That's what I want to yeah. say. Don't don't waste your time with things where you and, and be realistic also when it doesn't doesn't work. But again, For us, see what we did, we started with bed sheets, which were ayurvedically dyed in India. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now we're selling fabrics to so many designers worldwide, you know? So getting to plan B, sometimes you need to yeah, make yeah. the experience first. 
that you come to plan B. So it's not fixed. It's there is no master plan for life. There is no master plan for business. Yeah, it's yeah. all dynamic. We we be open, be nice, and then see work hard. See what what it, where it brings you. You know that's. That's the only thing I yeah, can tell I, I you. think that's an interesting idea because you see a lot of successful brands who who do something different than what they started with. So yeah. and and you need this openness to change if something is not working. But but totally. build on build on this experience and and take the next step. And I think that's a, the, that's really it's difficult because you're you're so much into your own thing and it's difficult to think out of the box. But I think this could be sure. A big, big uh, uh, could make a big difference. Ben, wh where can people meet you in person? Are you showing on on major fabric fairs, and and which fairs are you showing? Yeah, I mean the main fair we are showing twice a year is the Munich Fabric Start, mm -hmm. um, which also has a uh, so-called organic selection now, where you can also find other organic fabrics from different different suppliers. It's a it's a wonderful concept for me. It's um, the most nice fabric fair we have been, the Premier Vision in Paris, we are not doing because it's not focusing so much on ethical stuff. It's, it's very big also. So mainly you can find us on the Munich Fabric Start. Um, you can also always find us in our showroom in Berlin. You are always invited to come here, make an appointment, uh, appointment with us. We, we are happy to show you um, our uh, our collection. Then, as I mentioned, uh, we regularly do uh, fabric pop-up shops for two days, mainly in major European cities. Just check on our website for our newsletter to get informed where it is. We're just planning the next year. Uh, we've been to Vienna. We've been to Barcelona. We've been to Madrid. Um, we've been to Milano. We've been to uh, London. We've been to different places. Okay. So just check the newsletter. We'll inform you. Um, where we are next year, um, which is also interesting because not everybody wants to travel. And you, you also show at uh, Inatix or the Ethical Fashion Show, or did you stop that? We stopped that actually. We showed at the Inatix. We yeah. we always there, but it's not a major. It's not only a fabric fair, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. So there are many friends and and lovely. I mean, if you listeners have the chance to go there and you have a shop or something, ethical fashion Inatex in Hofheim Wallau is a beautiful fair, uh, which developed a lot also in, in its style. It's very modern and dedicated towards sustainability. The ethical fashion show and the green showroom in Berlin. Uh, also, always, always very nice. We we display there. We share the office with the with the organizers. They are our tenants actually in in, okay. in, in Kreuzberg. So we we are very well connected to them. But again, it's the same. Um, it's it's more for brands where you buy um, products like uh, collections and so on, but not so much a fabric fair. And we are five minutes from the fair. So if you're in the fair time here, just come to our office. <laughs> then we can, we can be there uh, for okay, you. Okay, so if the people come to your office, but you, you also give them tips like where to, where to go out in Berlin. Are there some new places? What do you mean go out in, in terms of... Yeah, uh, what's new in Berlin? Berlin is always vibrant. And I understand that people from abroad to visit Berlin always are yeah. interested in, uh, in, uh, in, in what's happening in Berlin. And it yes. So, no, so, so you're you the insider. You always uh, tell them where to go and uh, what to do. Sure, sure. I mean, if 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 you're interested, in what's going on there? Studio Herzberg, for example, which is quite new. Uh, Lili Kaeden is there, which have a nice shop. I mean, Kollateralschaden uh, uh, is there in Kreuzberg. Format is there. Ah, one tip also for you guys, listeners: uh, if you Google Green Fashion Tours Berlin, 
And this is a very nice concept also by friends of us. They guide you through the ateliers and the designer places and show you uh, the heart of green fashion in Berlin, which is always changing. They have the knowledge. Uh, it's, it's very, very, very affordable. It's, uh, you have to check. They have organized tours. It's, it's not much really. Um, they guide you around and they show you what's going on. You can visit the production places. It's, 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 it's really cool. Yeah, That's exactly. Great. Exactly. Now that, that was a, a little, uh, A little gift for our listeners and uh, Ben. Yeah. Uh, uh, finally, you mentioned b before we when, when we planned this call, you mentioned a special offer from Lebenskleidung for the listeners of the Green Blue podcast. Can you tell yeah. us more about this offer? In a capitalistic world, it has to be an offer, also obviously. <laughs> so I give you, I give you our offer. What we thought is that um, all you guys out there who list, who don't know us and who want to order for the first time. Um, you have two ways um, to order. What The first thing is you can order 10 samples for free. That is 10 little fabric samples for free. You just put the voucher code, um, my 10 samples, like you said, my 10 samples. Um, you get 10 samples for free, also free of cost shipping worldwide. So it was nice to talk to you. And uh, I think there were some great informations for our And, and, and great gifts for our listeners and uh, see you soon in, uh, in, in Berlin I guess Benjamin yeah I hope so see you okay. soon in Berlin the ethical fashion show latest I guess yeah. no? <laughs> okay okay bye bye, bye, bye. ciao bye. ciao all of you bye 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 thank you for listening to Green Blute FM Green Blute FM is brought to you by www.greenblute.com that's G-R-E-E-N blut.com Please visit our site, click the podcast section where you will find the show notes with all links and information about this show. If you have enjoyed listening to our guests and think that others would also benefit from it, we would be extremely grateful if you would take a moment to leave a review for the Green Blue FM podcast at iTunes. We are dedicated helping sustainable businesses grow. If you'd like to learn more about how to build a successful ethical business, just head over to our website where you can subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and get a bunch of good stuff to help you increase your knowledge. Thanks very much for listening. I'm looking forward to having you back for another episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.